0: Turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, the 7th chapter. Romans chapter 7, taking up in the ninth verse. Romans 7 and 9. For I was alive without law, the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Was in that which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment, might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, and what I would that do I not, but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which is that I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body or the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let us pray. We thank Thee, our Heavenly Father, that You sent Your Son to die in our place. Carry away our sins we thank thee for this great salvation for thy mercy that endureth forever thy spirits quickening and guiding nothing in our hands we bring we just thank thee for Thy kindness and mercy to us but sending thy son to die in our place we ask that you to open our eyes and our ears to the truths of that word we pray for our loved ones and brethren that are not in our midst our pastor and his family Heal them of their infirmities, we pray. Likewise us, we're a needy people. We know that you know all about our needs. We just thank thee for sending thy son to die, that those needs would be met. Guide us as a church in a way of truth. We pray for our country that you'd have mercy upon it. Grant us leaders that would fear none of thee. We pray for our pastor and his family. Keep your protective hands upon them. Oh, guide us in worshiping thee, worshiping thee in spirit and in truth. Help us to exalt the name of Christ above every name and honor Thee in doing so. For it's in Christ's name, through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask, and amen. Oh, death, the dreaded word. It silences all its opposition, wins every time. By one man's sin entered into the world Foretold in Romans, death cometh by sin. Man dies or dying proves that he's the sinner, or else he wouldn't die. Christ died in our place, he had no sin of his own. In Galatians 2 19, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not in I, but Christ liveth in me. Kind of like a body's dead and Christ is operating that body now. You look at it from that standpoint, I guess. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He did not say the law was dead. This is a paradox, being dead and alive. How can it be? Not half dead, but half alive. The true believer is dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. Like I said, nothing's about the law said about the law being dead. It could be a, ascertained that all physically living beings that are not living in Christ are walking in a dangerous position. Kind of like that spider over the fire in Whitfield's sermon. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Death been on my mind because of the execution of the condemned criminal. I mean, he knew at what, what hour his death was coming. That would be sobering, I guess, to say the least. Paul knew the law, and the law's not dead, as I mentioned a while ago. It's because man break, breaks the law, he's a sinner, and a sinner, death comes by sin. All these things stand together. There in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we talk about the law's not dead. Paul knew all about it. Verse 3 of chapter 5, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Those saints are violation of God's holy law. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The law is not dead. God's word commanded repentance (laughs) in the Old Testament as well as the new Uh, that you turn from your sins and not break the law Colossians 3 25 but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons that sounds like Old Testament law on the other hand the book of Ezekiel the 18th chapter the thirtieth, Ezekiel eighteen and thirty, sounds like New Testament demand for repentance. I'll get to it eventually. That's not the passage. Ezekiel eighteen, right. Ezekiel eighteen and thirty. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways saith the Lord repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so inequity shall not be your ruin I say that sounds like New Testament the law does not recognize a dead man the law is for those that are living that offend the law or break the law the law cannot do anything else to one that is Dead due to their breaking the law. China's law means nothing here, nor do our laws mean anything there. Law is for a certain people. You could have a guilty murderer falling down dead before his execution. The law's demands have been met. Or on the other hand, you could have the guilty man being executed and dead through the law. He's dead before the law if he died before he got there. Dead through the law if he's executed. Then you could have the executed man rising again, which is exactly what happened with Christ. That's what we would all prefer. Christ's righteousness was placed upon the believer. Our sins that demanded our death was placed upon him. These things are considered doctrine. Does doctrine in God's Word affect us, or are we lawless? We talk about antinomians, those that say that the law don't apply. Well, are we lawless? Do we break God's law? I mean, any violation of the law of God, if it was under the Old Testament law, demands the death of the offender. We have a Christian liberty, but we don't have liberty to sin. It's a it's a fine line. In the book of uh, Titus, chapter two. I mean, death gets it gets our attention, and it's coming upon all. Titus chapter two verse eleven. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all. Grace sounds real good. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's how we are supposed to live. Looking looking for that blessed hope, that's the Lord's return and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all inequity. All didn't say some or make us redeemable. He redeemed us, that he might redeem us from all inequity, to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The man that is legally dead, the penalty is paid. If that man was to live again, the law cannot to require payment be made twice. He's dead to the law. He rose again. This can only be so if we're in Christ. and baptism, what it really means, it's a burial. We're buried with him. The old man's dead. He's buried. When Christ died in our place at Calvary, did the spirit world understand what was really going on? I mean, they thought they were done with him. When man fell in the garden, well, the there's your crown jewel of creation there he is a fallen sinner they did not see that when the man would rise again which was in Christ that it would be a far greater crown jewel all the good of the first except no desire or inclination to sin no want to now we know that Man is no match for an angelic being. But the born-again man with a new body is a greater creation than one we could imagine. As we're told there in the epistles of John, when we see Christ, we'll be like him. Now, now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Also in the second verse of the third chapter, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That fallen man is going to be far greater. Things we, uh, we read about we don't understand, we will in time. Like I say, did the f- evil forces know this? That when Christ died, he would come forth from the grave? I don't think. Uh, they obviously didn't. I, I don't know. They must not have considered that he would rise from the tomb. Christ did not allow death to reign in his presence. He conquered death. And nobody else ever could. And if we live in him, we're more than conquerors. Now, we're not free to live a sinful life. And the older we get, the more sinful we find ourselves to be or have been. But holiness is required of us. Without holiness, no man shall enter see heaven. That's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14. As they say, emphasis mine, paraphrasing mine. I'll go flip over there and read it. No holiness, no heaven, as it said. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's what it reads in. Hebrews 12 and 14. Natural man, however, thinks that all of, I mentioned this I think this past Lord's day, all that ends all is well that ends well. He thinks that somehow man will, man will find a way out of death. It ain't going to happen. If there's a way out, it's through Christ. Consider the condemned man. He doesn't know what he's facing. He knows he's he's uncertain, unless Christ is revealed unto him. We know the thief on the cross; that was the case. But there's a difference between the saved and the lost. That's God's grace. We could just as easily be in their shoes. I'm talking about the condemned criminal. One heat of rage, one losing our senses, so to speak. I recall hearing a of a conversation, I believe it was Georgie Vins who was a great Russian preacher. He was sent word by the authorities to quit holding worship services, and of course he did not. Finally, the authorities sent a man after after him. That man reaffirmed to it with him, "You are aware that what you're doing is punishable by death." The man, who I believe was George Yevens, said, "Ah, oh, death. That you, that, you and I have something in common. That's our strength. Greatest strength is death." He, he told the man, the Russian man of authority. He, he said, "You see, you have people's fear because you have the authority to to kill them, if they." Disobey the law. Death is your strongest. What would you call it? Tool. He said, I, "It's also my strongest point. Of, also because death, I'm freed." From what I understand, the authorities said that man's crazy. Leave him alone. Man was foreordained to this death in the garden due to his sin. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, I believe it says death comes by sin. And as I mentioned a while ago, man dies proves he was a sinner. Romans 5 and 12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, and also all have died. We know the two were taken by the Lord. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The body was alive. but by These bodies, as we know, were only one heartbeat away from death. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath as others. That's natural man. Dead spiritually. No such thing as dead, deader, and deadest that we know well. Romans, again, except Romans six fourteen. Paul has a lot to say in the book of Romans about death. Now, the body of death that he was referring to there in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? From what I understand, the Roman law was they'd tie a dead body around certain criminals. Romans 6:14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. The law gendereth to death, because, you see, man couldn't keep the law. If he breaks one part, he's condemned. The law did not die. Christ fulfilled it. We're now under grace. We are dead in Christ. His righteousness is imputed to us. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. He died in our place for our sins. How are we dead to sin? Does sin rule in our lives? I guess that's the way to look at it. Sin brought death to a very good creation. Everything was very good. Nothing wrong with it. Man had a, a tree to eat from that he would live forever. In the others, well, just various places in Scripture Isaiah 55 and 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That's what kind of creation it was. The scientists tell us that these things being so, there would have been music made by the trees and the winds. Verse 13, Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. That's a reverse of the curse. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. But of course we know one sin overturned that. Animals were able to communicate with man in the creation. I mean, after all, Eve was speaking with a serpent. So man decides he wants to escape hell and gain heaven, so he will keep the law. Well the problem is once you've offended in one point that you're relying on your righteousness, you're condemned. By one sin, many were made sinners. I one, the actions of one man, many were made sinners. John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Not everybody will hear. Those that do hear will live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he giveth the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him the authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of man. We see who the judge is. He's the same that died in our place on the cross. He's a righteous judge. He's not going to lose a one. The hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good into the resurrection of life and they that have done evil into the resurrection of damnation. It's two separate resurrections. And I've made mention before in Revelation chapter 20, the effects of one sin, even a thousand and seven years from now at least, the effects of one sin has still not totally been eradicated. So we see what sin does. Brings death. It's that simple. What was the man told? The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now we live under grace, not under law. The law can only condemn. We're under grace. You mean I can come un- become undead by simply believing? If you're granted the hearing ear, how can that be? Over in the book of Jonah, Jonah died. I mean, most people don't consider that. Jonah was in the wells, Billy, for three days and three nights, like Christ was in the heart of the ground. But Jonah died. Jonah... And chapter 2, verse 2, And it said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me, and out of the belly of hell. The word there in the marginal note is the grave, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and all the billows and thy ways passed over me. Then I said, "I am cast out of thy sight, and I will look again toward thy holy temple." Now, the Jews, when they prayed like Daniel did, was facing Jerusalem. That's, or that's the city of the living God. That's what it's referring to. Uh, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul, and the depths closed me about, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom, the cuttings off, this is called, the earth with her bars about me forever. That's death. Yet thou hast brought me up from, up my life from corruption. The, the word there, the, Marginal note is the pit O Lord my God when thou when excuse me when my soul fainted within me I remembered the Lord and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. It's a great thing. That's life. Eternal life. That's why it's called eternal life. It'll never end. But in closing, we cannot live the life of the wicked. We cannot do that which the body and the the sinful person would prefer to do galatians chapter 2 verse 20 for i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me like the body's dead and christ takes over oh well, that's a good illustration in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me Over in chapter 5, same idea in verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. That's our life. If we're to live our life for Christ.